0: Last week, we spent quite a bit of time focusing on the issue of, what is the Lord's will for my life? And so many Christians ask that. We broke it down last week. If you're one of those people who's always looking like, I want to know what your will is for my life, pick up last week's CD. Because it goes deeply into understanding there are multiple ways that God's will works. At a sovereign level, at a moral level, and sometimes at the individual level. We analyze how to discern what God's will is for our lives. We use the example of Paul. Even Paul had difficulty sometimes. Even somebody who spoke sometimes to the Lord. Even somebody who saw the Lord. Even somebody who had prophetic visions and prophetic words spoken over him still had to discern what the Holy Spirit's will was in other instances. We spent time just dealing with that last week. In the Lord's Prayer, when we pray, Thy will be done, we're actually praying for His will to be known. And also that it would be done. Then we said on earth as it is in heaven. We explained what that meant on earth and in heaven. So Jesus is laying out this model. Notice that we haven't yet until tonight gotten to anything that has to do with us. Most of our prayers begin like this. Oh Lord, I'm so tired. Or oh Lord, help me. That's where our priority usually begins in prayer. And that's okay. You know, if you look at the Psalms, they begin that way a lot of times. David will pray and he'll say, I flood my bed with tears. Because that's really what's immediate to him. And God is not a God who wants dishonest prayers. He doesn't want formulas. He's given us a model, Jesus being the master of all prayers, who knows how to pray better than anybody. He's giving us a model to follow. But it's okay if we don't follow it every time. But notice that the fourth priority that we finally get to tonight is praying for ourselves after we've prayed for God's holiness for his kingdom for his will then we can say now let's pray for us we're going to look at give us this day our daily bread let's break down the words as in all other words in this prayer Jesus packs in a lot of things in just the simple phrase give us this day our daily bread first let's look at the word bread What Jesus is asking us to pray for, actually he's giving us permission to pray for our physical needs. Now some people confuse this. Some churches actually teach that what Jesus is saying is give us spiritual bread. But really what Jesus is saying is, no, I want you to have physical bread. Now not just bread, because some of us are on the Atkins diet; I can't have the bread, you know. It's driving me nuts. What does bread actually mean in scripture? It's something that relates to our physical needs. It's a metaphor when it's used as bread. The Hebrew word that's used for bread in the Old Testament sometimes is also translated as food, nourishment, sustenance. It's meant as a metaphor. And I don't think any of us literally thought when we pray the Lord's Prayer all we're asking for is the end piece on a big piece of French bread, right? Right? I think most of us know that we're actually praying for physical needs. But it's important to identify that that is biblical and scriptural. There are several instances where the word bread literally means the sustenance of life. So we're praying for that. That gives us permission really to pray for our physical needs, our own needs in our life. Okay? But notice I'm using the word needs. Angela? No, it could be emotional. It could be spiritual. But the point is the focus is now shifting to us. Now we're going to talk more about spiritual needs in the next couple lines because when he starts moving into forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, now we're talking about a spiritual transaction that's going to take place. And delivering us from evil is also going to be a more spiritual element. But this is about our needs directly. Okay, Look at the word daily. There's only two instances in the Bible that this word appears, and it's the time that Jesus uses them to recite the Lord's Prayer, both as recorded in Matthew and in Luke. The word literally means to have enough for the day, to be sufficient for that period. So when we're praying for our needs, Jesus is cluing us into something. I want you to pray for what's necessary to you. Needs and necessary, they're the same root. We're not praying here for the frills. When you say, give us this day our daily bread, look how simple the phrase is. We're talking about bread. Now, the church gets divided on this. Some people get really extreme. Some people say, well, if that means we're only supposed to pray for our necessities, what's necessary? Obviously, you could go really extreme on this one. A car is not necessary, so we should not even pray for that ever. You know, if you really think about it, a job is not necessary. You know, clothes aren't that necessary. You know, like pretty soon you could go, I could do without almost anything but bread. That's not really what Jesus is saying. He's not going that extreme. At the same time, he's not going the other extreme where he's saying, you know, that new car really is necessary to me. He's not allowing us to determine necessity. It's really more of an objective standard. What's really necessary to our lives? The Spirit should dictate that. Proverbs 38, I love quoting from Solomon sometimes. Listen to this. It's almost a direct quotation from the Lord's Prayer. Proverbs 38, keep deception and lies far from me, which is almost like saying, do not lead me into temptation. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion. Just give me my portion. Just enough for me. The Lord's Prayer has been translated to so many languages and I was reading that some of the languages have to search for a word that means necessary just for the day because some cultures don't even have that. We live in a place where we have too much. Other cultures don't have enough. So the words they use are give me enough. They emphasize the word enough because otherwise it doesn't make much sense. We live in a different place. Now notice he also says... Give us this day. This day also has some significance in the way we pray because when he breaks it down to that way, you guys remember any instance in the Bible where there was a, a daily bread? Where does the daily bread concept even come from? What does it Chris say? It. From the sky. Exactly. Do you guys remember the story of the Israelites where the manna would fall down from the sky? They would go out in the morning, they would collect it, they would make bread out of it. Interesting, cool vision of God providing for his people. But the more interesting thing about manna was not that it provided and it just showed up daily. What was the most interesting trivia thing about manna? It would rot. Like, you couldn't keep it. Like, that was the cool thing about manna. Like, every morning you woke up, it was just there. You collected it and you made enough bread just for that day. Because if you kept any manna overnight, it would turn into what? It would turn into maggots. It was like God's magic way of showing us This is how I would have an ideal relationship with my people. Maybe that's what heaven's going to be like. Wake up in the morning, there's like eggs and bacon. Well, at least on the Atkins diet, all right? (laughs) And then like you show up a little bit later and like lunch is already there for you, you know? But if you tried to put it in a refrigerator in heaven, it would turn to maggots, all right? I don't know. Who knows, man? But what's cool about manna was this is God saying, my ideal relationship with you is that you rely on me so much that you can't even save the stuff in Tupperwares because it's going to go bad. You guys basically will wake up. You'll have enough. Don't worry about any more than what you need for the day because tomorrow it will be there. Now, let me go back to Jesus when he's talking about necessity. If you look at it from this day, he's saying the amount that you get, what you need, I want to provide for you as if it was for this day. Because I want you to trust in me. I want you to believe in me. I want you to rely on me. All those kind of things come from you saying, Give me just this day my daily bread. Now, is it wrong for Christians to say, I'm worried about tomorrow and I have other things? Yes, there's verses that say, Don't worry about tomorrow. But is it wrong for a Christian to pray, I'm thinking about my future? I want to ask you these things. Is that wrong? No, he's not saying that you only are concerned with what goes on for this day. But what he's trying to say is, think about it this way. Pray for your provision. Pray for your necessity as if it was only for today. And everything else will follow. We see that in scripture a number of times. You know, this day to me, if I look at it, other than the whole manna example, it promotes that idea of dependence. It prevents us from having a feeling of security. I like can imagine if, like, you just won the lottery, all right? You have millions of dollars. You're no longer worried about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear because you have something. God is trying to remove that sense of security. Now, there's nothing against riches. We've talked about that balance during our talk about money, about the balance of riches in the world. And we wrestled with some real difficult passages about riches. But what he really would rather have is dependence on him No pride, no envy. I mean, think of all the things that come with having enough provisions. We said that the curse of riches was that you have so much, you don't even ask God, you don't even need to talk to him because you know you'll be okay tomorrow. And that's what he's really saying. Pray every day like you don't have food tomorrow, even if you do. It's okay to pray for your needs, but they should be needs, and I'd like you to pray for them Like, I'm the only person that could deliver them to you and that you would be worried if you didn't have them. Now, the sad truth you guys know in America is that we have everything we need. The sad truth is there isn't a single person in this room I could say that is really worried about what they're going to eat tomorrow. I mean, we may worry about it because we're, like, wondering what it's going to be. But that's not the kind of worry that somebody in Africa feels. That's not the kind of worry that someone in Southeast Asia is feeling. We're in a different place But God still wants us to love and desire him and pray to him as if we had no choice. That's the curse of wealth, is that we could go a whole week without talking to God. We could go a whole month without praying to God, and we'd still eat. And we would still be okay, physically. But God is saying, you know what, though? You're the poorer for that. Don't count that as riches, because the person who's praying to me hourly Wondering what they're going to eat tomorrow. Has it much better spiritually than you do. Sure, you may have it materially much better than everybody else. But your spirit is so much poorer for it. By praying, give us this day our daily bread. We're confessing that every good and perfect thing comes from the Lord. We sang that song last week. We sing it sometimes. James 1.17. Every perfect thing comes from you, Lord. We're actually saying it with our mouth. We're admitting that if it really were up to the Lord, if he really wanted to discipline us, if he really wanted to take away the privilege we have, we could be praying for our next meal and not finding it. It also promotes gratitude, contentment. But the real issue here is to take away the issue of idolatry, pride, envy, security, all the things that happen when we think, I've got it covered. You know, in this country, if you don't have enough to eat, you just work a little harder, you'll have enough to eat. It's not God's formula. God presented his formula when he said, I want you to just rely on me like you rely on manna. In America, we think that's nuts. Our daily bread, our. First of all, look, it's not mine. When we say give us, it's not give me. We're asking for what is ours, knowing what is not ours, knowing what is good and knowing what's not. You know, part of the wisdom is knowing what to ask the Lord for. Didn't Solomon win the jackpot of all time when the Lord said, I'll give you anything you want, and he prayed for wisdom? What a goober, all right? (laughs) But he prayed for wisdom, and because he not only got wisdom, he got all the riches of the world. I mean, that was clearly the goober answer, right? But he got everything. He knew what to ask for. That's half the thing, knowing what to ask for. When we say, give us our daily bread We should know what it is that we're asking for, what it is that we need. We also need to know what belongs to somebody else and what belongs to us. Not all of us are equal. Not all of us are going to need the same things. Some people have different tasks and they're called by the Lord to do different things and they're going to need different things. So it's not always that we look at anything like, there's certain things we just shouldn't pray for. You know what? We should know what it is that we should pray for. We should know what God has in store for us when we say, this is what I need. We pray for us because it really isn't just a prayer for you. It's a prayer for us as a body and for our neighbors. Jesus said, who, who's in it? remember the guy said, well, who's my neighbor? You can go through the whole Good Samaritan analogy to figure out who your neighbor is. Okay? But clearly our neighbor is everybody around us who's in need. Clearly our neighbors, is everybody who's in the body of Christ. But that's what we're supposed to be praying for. We're supposed to be looking at it from a very simple, give us this day our daily Read. Put them all together. After we've prayed for all the other things that are more important in this life, such as God's holiness and salvation and His kingdom and His will in our lives to send us out, now we get to say and Lord, may I depend on you to provide for me that which I need today. And to know how to ask you for the right things that I really do need to do what you've asked me to do. And may this prayer also be for all those who are around me who are also in need. May we all have our needs met, at least at a physical level and certainly, hopefully, at a spiritual level. It's kind of tough because I know it leads us to a lot of questions about really what is necessary in our lives and what's not. You know, we could, It's easy for us to be convicted here tonight and say, gosh, we've got so much. We're here in the West. We're so affluent. There's people all over the world that don't have the hard part is, what do we do about that? How do we take that to the Lord in prayer? And do we really believe that if we got down on our hands and knees and said, Lord, provide for your people, that he would do it? Do we believe that? Could we pray beyond our needs? Did you really need to live for their seven days? You know, that's a great question. I think the answer is absolutely you can pray beyond what your needs are. And I also believe that you can even pray, as we talked about when we were struggling with what is the will of the Lord, You can even pray that the Lord change his mind. And I think that's very biblical. We've seen examples of it where people cry out, and even the Lord's example is, be as diligent as the widow who goes to the judge and keeps bugging him until he finally gives her what he wants, even though he didn't want to give her that at the beginning. So there's indications in Scripture that he wants us to be that diligent. But here's the point, and I guess this segues into where I wanted to go with it. We can pray, even in places where we're not sure what God's, will is and even in places where we're not sure if it's necessary for example it's okay to pray and say Lord I'd like a new car it would help me get to work better it would make my life easier I don't have to worry about the other one breaking down so much I might even be able to drive people to church and there's nothing wrong with praying that but here's the deal if the Lord says I don't think that's necessary to your life Now, I don't know how he says that. He's not going to send you a fortune cookie. This is like, stop asking for the car. You know, you're driving me nuts. But if you just have been praying this prayer and it's just not within your means and it's not within your ability, the key is to be content with what the Lord responds and to say, thy will be done. Even when the thy will goes against what I was really hoping it would be. Or even when you think something is necessary, you honestly believe it's necessary, and the Lord says, I don't think it's necessary, that's the moment when you're supposed to say, okay, fine, your grace is sufficient for me. Who's the person that coined the phrase, your grace is sufficient for me? Paul. And what was Paul praying for? His thing, right. He was praying for his thing. He was praying for what most people believe was either a physical ailment or something, but clearly it was a personal need. It was not something in his ministry. He was saying, Lord, I would be so much better at this if you would remove this thorn from my side. And he prayed about it a number of times. In fact, we have it recorded a number of times, so you better know that he's probably praying about it a lot more times. But when the Lord said no, Paul's answer is, well, then your grace is sufficient for me. Some of us could say, Lord, I could serve you so much better if I had a better paying job. I could tithe more to the church. I could give more to missions. I could do so much more if I got out of this crazy job I'm in. Or if I even got a job. And the Lord could say, no. And your answer should be, then your grace will be sufficient for me. And I will make do with everything that I can. Do uh, you think that there's a possibility that someone can lose faith uh, in the Lord by praying? I think that there's people who have lost faith because their prayers have not been answered. I mean, look, people who've prayed for the healing of a family member and the person's died. I know there are people who just walk away and go, there just can't be a God if that happened. What they're missing is, no, there absolutely can be a God. And actually, you were supposed to understand and yield to what he was actually doing as opposed to deciding on your own that God can't exist because he didn't fit my definition. Ben. You know, we always think, oh, Jesus wanted to die for us. Jesus didn't want to die. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, take this from me. Take this cup away from me. But, you know, he's kind of like part four, you know, my daily, give me my daily bread. But then he goes back to part three, thy will be done. Basically, what you're saying is, Lord, give me what's good for me, not what I'm asking for. Now, in the short term, none of us really have that ability. In the short term, we're like upset and it's hard to yield. But I know that if you did a prayer journal, this is the, probably the, the most valuable thing. And I don't, I don't do many prayer journals, so I'm not going like to go out on a limb like I'm some big holy guy that does prayer journals, all right? But, but when, in the few times in my life when I did journal, the most amazing thing is going back and reading what you prayed for, knowing the history of your life for the next few years. And some of the time you're like, oh, thank God that didn't come true. <laughs> So he's not saying, I don't answer your prayer. He's saying, no, it's not good for you. But in the moment, we don't realize it. Until much later down the road, when we see how life turns out. Because if we had God's infinite wisdom, we'd see how it would turn out. And then we go, man, I'm kind of glad you didn't give me what I asked for. Yeah, because I remember I was watching a scene from Bruce Almighty. And, and he's checking in, Bruce is checking his email. But what does he do in the movie? Do you remember? He just replies to everybody and says what? He just replies to everybody, says reply to all, and just says yes, right? <laughs> and screws up the whole world, right? and then that like everybody's all screwed up because he gave them exactly what they wanted? We as humans, we have a pretty screwed up sense of what we want. Why? Because we live under a skewed vision. Like all of us don't see straight. We live in a sinful world. We're sinful people. We want sinful things. And it's not until God is going to peel back that... That, that skewed vision when we finally get to heaven that we'll finally go, oh. What about prayers like that I've made? <laughs> Lay for class in seminary. Everybody plays, <laughs> prays the same prayer. Help, God help me find parking. Does God care enough about my stress that moment? Would you say no? Let, let's, let's go back to almost where we started. Part of the issue, first of all, is if you've prayed things in the right priority, you realize that the prayer about parking is so far down the list of things. Now, I'm not saying there's no prayer that God doesn't care about or God doesn't hear. But remember, he's giving us a priority list. Think about my holiness. Think about my universal kingdom. Think about my will across the earth and across the heavens. Now let's get to your needs, parking. All right. Now, compared to those big three that we started with, it's not that he doesn't hear it. And it doesn't mean, by the way, that his will isn't for you to hear something that the professor says that day, and you've got to hear it, and he's going to clear out 30 spaces if he has to, to get you to class on time. And that has to do with his will. We talked about that last week. If his individual will for you, Angela, is to be in class because part of his plan for your life was to hear the beginning of that lecture, nothing is going to stop you from getting there. But on a daily basis, do you think that's really the case? Probably not. On a daily basis, the answer to the Lord will probably give you back is leave home a little earlier. You'll be okay. That was a choice you made that I'm going to allow you to make. So, I mean, he cares that you, Angela, his daughter, the daughter of the Most High, is on your way to class and you're saying, Lord, Father, Dad, whatever you want to say, I am telling you what's going on right now. I mean, he's most pleased when that's going on. But I want to make sure that you don't equate that with therefore, which a lot of Christians then add, therefore, he's going to alter the whole physics of the universe. Like I always think of the two college teams that are both from Christian universities are on their knees in the locker room. (laughs) Lord, please help us win the game. Like, does that mean that the Lord abandoned one of the teams when they lose the game later that day? I mean, you know someone is going to win the, the game. Even if it goes into overtime, no matter what happens, someone is winning the game. Does that mean that one guy they're going like who sinned in our locker room? Somebody here caused us to the defeat, right? Sometimes the Lord's like, "I'm pleased that my children before they went into the game got on their hands and knees and praised me and glorified me, and now I'm going to get some popcorn and watch the game." And that's the Lord's will. And I don't know that the team that won that the Lord literally supernaturally intervened and pushed them down the field, you know? I'm not saying it can't happen. Okay? I mean, it can happen. And that's why last week, there was a little bit of controversy when we were talking about God's will. God has a lot of things that are just like, hey, the Bible's full of what I want you to do. Go do those things. I don't need to communicate with you daily about what you should eat for breakfast and where you should go and stuff like that. And some people like literally seek out the Lord's will like a Ouija board. Like, Lord, what should I eat today? Where should I go? Should I drive? What should I wear? What should I do? You know, it's like, it's few times in our life when the Lord will directly intervene and say, this is what you should do, but those are going to be significant moments. When you begin a prayer like, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Okay, We're starting with such a large, broad spectrum. And he's trying to say, like, focus on that for a moment before we get down to these things. And you, won't, you might not even get down to those things because you'll be stuck up here at the top thinking about this awesome plan of salvation that's set in motion over you know, thousands of years that's going to take place and how it's going to last for eternity and how he knows the struggle that's going to go on and all the people that are going to be involved and his son playing the vital role, all these things. Like, Look at it from that perspective and then remember that I know the hairs on your head, that I care about them too. The thing I like about this group is you guys can go on and on and on about the theological. Let me ask you this. Through the walk we've been doing through prayer, Is it making an impact? Is anybody praying more? Is anybody understanding prayer differently? Is anybody thinking about prayer from a different angle? Because if if it doesn't do that, then all of this is just kind of foolishness. We can understand the Lord's Prayer. We could tear apart the Greek words for daily and bread and all these kind of things. But if it's not drawing us into a more intimate time with Jesus, and I'll tell you, for me personally... I come back to this over and over because my accountability group's always on top of me. Like, why are you talking about prayer? You, <laughs> who, who is like the least worthy to talk about prayer. And in my heart, it's because I'm, I'm in, falling in love with prayer again. Not because I'm just going through the Lord's Prayer with you guys, but because I'm finally free to admit like, yes, the reason I don't pray is because I'm, it's not because I haven't read enough prayer books. It's not because I'm not following these acronyms and all these crazy things. It's because there is a fundamental deep, down issue inside of my heart that i'm just not excited about spending time with jesus why and just asking that question has reignited my desire to know jesus and get to know him a little bit better and be excited about being in his presence just freeing myself up from thinking of prayer as like oh one more thing i didn't do this week i didn't go to the gym and i didn't pray dang it this week I had a great conversation with Jesus because you guys know I'm working on building cabinets for my house, and I was had this really weird thought. I'm like, "Hey Jesus, you built cabinets? Did they ever turn out like not straight like this? I bet you you didn't cuss when that happened." <laughs> <laughs> and then I had this like really weird perverse thought because I had this like great power tool. You know those like electric screwdrivers? They're so cool because you just kind of hold the shelf and go like that. And I was like, "I bet you you wanted to have one of these things, huh?" Like, does that bug you to know that you had to do it by hand, and you know all things in life, and you knew that this would exist? Like, (laughs) okay, well, walking on water and the electric screwdriver, I mean, I got that. Don't don't rob me of everything, you know? But I was just thinking to myself, you know what? That's really what this is about. I'm not saying that you guys should all go build shelves and have a conversation with Jesus about what it's like to be a carpenter. But I found it interesting just to talk to him about being a carpenter. Because prayer for that moment wasn't really about, oh, I should pray more. It was like an honest expression of like, oh, yeah, you were a carpenter and you did this all the time. How did it work for you? And that gave me like an insight into Jesus I hadn't had in a long time. And I just thought about that, you know. How many years did he spend building these stupid shelves? And what was he thinking when he was doing it? Next week is our last week out of our series on prayer. We're going to cover forgiving. As we are forgiven, or vice versa, we are forgiven as we forgive others. Kind of a a little bit of a wake-up call. We're good at getting the forgiveness. We're going to be talking about forgiving others. And, of course, what exactly it means when we're saying, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Like, is he in the business of leading people into temptation? We'll be talking about those and wrapping it up. Let's pray. Ryan, do you have a couple more songs you want to do? Yeah. Let's pray and have Ryan come up. Lord, I'm thankful for each thought that's uttered because they're expressions of your spirit. Lord, I'm thankful for people who are willing to sit here and search. But Lord, in the end, I'm just thankful that we're confident in our knowledge that you are king, that you have provided us with a way of salvation despite our sin. Lord, how beautiful an image we have. You've assured us of our place in heaven. And all we have to do now is just live out the rest of our life helping others to find you. Lord, if we took on the Father's eyes and saw things in that way and knew that all we had to do was spend our life, invest our life, getting others to know you, that would be our goal, Lord, since we ourselves have already been bought and purchased by your blood. Thank you, Lord, that you've done that. Thank you, Lord, that we have the assurance of salvation. Lord, if there's a single person in here who does not have that assurance, I pray, Lord, give them the courage to seek you out further because you will always be true. Anyone who investigates you, Lord, I am confident that you will stand true and they will find you, Lord. Just give them the courage to keep searching. And Lord, for those of us who have that confidence, may we have the courage and the love, especially to reach out to others who don't know you and bring you along for this wonderful place that you've planned for us. And Lord, in the meantime, thank you that you give us our daily bread. Thank you that you care about the most minute things. But Lord, remind us that we are to rely on you daily. We are wealthy and we are sinful in our wealth. We could go for days without thinking or even talking to you and we'd be okay. Lord, that's not the way you want it. Give us the strength, Lord, to reject some of the things around us that keep us from you. Give us the strength to seek you out and need you even when we maybe physically don't need you. That's the way you want it, Lord. I pray that we find a way to find our way into your arms, Lord, and call you Daddy. In your precious name, amen.